Let's begin now. on Sunday but I open up the Twitter world and the first tweet I see is LaShawn Shady McCoy Heavenly Father thank you for another great Sunday Joel Osteen preaching today okay okay he's an Osteen guy of course he is uh, Osteen's not going to let a check on a Sunday like that go to waste? Come on. He knew he was going to be there. Eh. You kind of wonder if Osteen does it for the Heavenly Father if he's just addicted to the game. I, I do not wonder. <laughs> I know exactly why he's doing it. <laughs> hey, man. The entire city's flooded. Can we come in? Absolutely not. Right. Ah. <sighs> So we're about to get like a a pretty good uh, storm tonight from what I saw in the news. I thought it was interesting because every meteorologist is different. Like some are just really even keel and they're just really, you know, just smooth with it. Like, hey, don't freak out tonight. There's going to be high winds, a lot of heavy storm, a lot of lightning and thunder, but we should be all right. The guy I watched this morning couldn't tell you his name or the station. He's like. Weather could get severe, could have some hail, might be a small chance of tornado. But anyways, you want to look at it like, wait, what was that? Small chance of tornado, February. Again, I don't think that's a possibility. Well, you never know. But they did just say severe weather. The only reason I say that is because the last show we did was Friday night. And, man, Friday night was terrible. Like, it took me 57 minutes to get home because of all the ice. On the roads. It's a bad day. But it's Sunday. Solid day today. Nothing to complain about other than Sean McCoy, who was this week's Richer of the Week, and then just doubles down with that. Um, doesn't like Eric Bieniemy, but he likes Joel Osteen. Uh, that ought to tell you about LaShawn McCoy's character right there. Um, if that's who you are. Uh, I don't know if you if you remember this, but uh, this is 11 years ago today, Grant. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! In that video, I don't know if Mr. Weber's right, wife is crying because she's excited or crying because she knows how hammered he's about to get and just cause a scene that night. She realized she's married to a lunatic. Oh, yeah. So he's from St. Louis, right? And he has his own bowling alley there. And I've been told by several people familiar with the situation that that man loves to pound beers a little aggressively, as you could clearly tell from that audio. 
Have you ever had something that you were so proud of that you got to this level? Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! saying damn it right i don't really know but it's a sunday show so we don't want to say that word too often i don't know if i've ever had anything i mean i have chipped in from 70 yards and i was not on that level and i don't know if anybody in their right mind like i've seen tiger woods make miraculous shots now there's been a few where he's Got a little nuts, like the one where the guy says, in your life, have you ever seen anything like this? And Tiger does like a pretty big pump, but he's not, who do you think you are, I am? 11 years ago today, put bowling on the map, and then completely took it off. Mr. Weber. Uh, I thought this was funny. So last night, I've been saying this for a while. This is After Hours, by the way, with Dusty Leggett's Great Nicholson. We were with you until 12 o'clock today. Very gloomy day, but that's okay. We're all here, including LaShawn McCoy. And the thing about last night is I was thinking to myself, when does the Patrick Mahomes effect take over, like, everybody? And what I mean by that is just more than, you know, local Kansas City radio hosts trying to buy time until the draft or until free agency starts. And then I stumbled across this video, a little boosie. And this man, Patrick Mahomes has changed this man's life. You, you'll hear. He also calls him Travis Mahomes about four or five times. I don't bet against him. <laughs> I don't bet. I, he done won me so much damn money. Like, man, did, I've, been around, I've been around a minute, Black. And I haven't seen a quarterback all the way around. I'm talking about everything better than Trav, than that, than that guy. You put, him, you put Mahomes over Brady. Because uh, Brady, talent. yeah, 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 but he can throw accurate as Brady. True. Uh, he can get out the jam way better than Brady. You could say he's that, faster yeah. than Brady. Mm. More accurate than Brady, though. He's, bro, Mahomes throw. He can throw a ball this way accurate. That way. <laughs> have you ever saw Tom Brady do this? No, I've not. Huh? Have I you have ever not. saw him pitch a ball this way? <laughs> have you ever? I, I, I didn't see. I don't see people scoring fourteen seconds like that. He does. I've right. never seen it. Joe Montana ain't do it. Uh. I. He can beat you in the pocket. That's a bad mother. His daddy said the right thing. Yeah. I've never. This dude is just good, bro. He's he's, and he's a warrior. Mm. For the all uh, the Eagles quarterback? No, it was the other one, the game before, the 49 If Travis Mahone, if Travis me me Mahone would have hit his leg like that or his shoulder, ain't no way Tra ain't no way he coming out that game. He different, bro. Yeah. He is a soldier, bro. You want a quarterback like that. I mean, he has Lil Boosie so excited. Which the video is great. It's on Twitter if you just need to all you have to do is search. Boosie, and you'll find it. But I was wondering how much longer it would take for Patrick Mahomes to reach this level. Now, I get it. There are, you know, certain topics that maybe you don't want to, you know, proclaim yourself as... Yeah. You're a fanboy! Right. 
which I've been called. Yeah. You're a fanboy. And that's fine. But when it gets to the point of natural or national perspective and guys that you wouldn't think are coming to the forefront on podcasts and radio shows and now basically saying everything that we said the entire year. Now your your national level of Patrick Mahomes, and I saw another funny video it had Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, all their awards and all their accomplishments combined. And then they put Mahomes by himself. But yet again, yeah. you're a fanboy. And I can't help that. It is funny how for the last three years, basically, since Mahomes won his first ring, mm-hmm. they've been trying to find all these different guys. Was Aaron Rodgers won two straight MVPs, and it's like, oh, is it Allen going to do it this year? Oh, bro, he's the man. And then as soon as he gets that other ring, it's they're like, all right, whatever. We we knew, but we didn't want to admit it. Now we kind of have to admit that, that Pat is so far above all these other guys. That it's almost unfair. The I do like table. sex. You know? I do like table. sex. That's Alex Gold. Wrong clip. Yeah. You're a fanboy. Imagine putting these two next to each other. How do you the like table. sex? Yeah. You're a fanboy. Mm. For those of you that missed that interview, that was myself and Nick Schwartz with Coach Jason Brown. Um, spoiler alert, we hung up on him. He contradicted himself three times. It's like when you ask the troll three questions, it eventually lets you pass the bridge. But I do agree with with a lot of what Lil Boosie is saying here. And I also agree that this type of feeling is spread more than we think about Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is an uncharted territory. Patrick Mahomes is at a level in his career that is kind of something that is not normally seen. 27 years old, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, two league MVPs, an Offensive Player of the Year award, five-time Pro Bowler, I believe two-time All-Pro. And in this in this last year, he didn't do what he did in his first year as a starter when he won the MVP, but he was far and away the best quarterback in the entire league. And now you're starting to get people that are ho-hum about football, understanding the level of power that Patrick Mahomes has in this league. Right, you hear the beginning of that audio, and he's like, I don't bet against him. That man won me a ton of money. How much money did Patrick Mahomes win people here at the start of September when gambling becomes legal? Right? You're like, oh, I'll just put money down that Mahomes won MVP. Now I'm going to put money down the Chiefs win the AFC West. I'm also going to put money down. Why? Because of who they have at quarterback. And he's right. I don't think that his legacy is better than Brady, but I think right now, the way he's describing Patrick Mahomes, it seems like he's saying current, which now Brady's no longer in the league. It's over. But it is kind of interesting, like, who's the closest? A lot of people will say Burrow. A lot of people will say Josh Allen. Some people still have Aaron Rodgers up there. But for the most part, a lot of people just thought that if you had Mahomes at the top and thought that he was a top five quarterback, you're a fanboy. You're a fanboy. But now what? Now what happens now that it is nationally received in everybody's mind that Patrick Mahomes is in fact better than everybody and it's not really close. 
right? All you're going to hear in the draft here in a couple of weeks is they're trying to find the next Mahomes, right? Like the kid out of Florida's draft stock is rising. Is it Richardson? Is that his last name? Yeah, it's Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson, right? And a lot of people had him like maybe the fourth quarterback, fifth quarterback taken. Now all of a sudden people are thinking he might be the first overall pick. Why? Similarities to your boy. What does Patrick Mahomes do? Change the league. What's the league do? Patrick Mahomes proof itself. Let's start having conversations about moving championship games. Why? Because one guy's played in the same place five consecutive years. Haven't seen it. And it's crazy to think that the league is eventually about to just have to submit itself to knowing what it is. And that is that the best quarterback plays in the Kansas City and that the Kansas City Chiefs are for success. And what are they destined for next year? I'll get into that on the other side. Plus, we'll talk some local college basketball because I could have gotten you guys a lot of money if you listened Friday night. I'll explain why a little bit later. But coming up on the other side, I don't think a repeat is that far stretch of a crime. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Breaking news in the baseball world is uh, Jeff Passan has introduced us all to the new contract that Manny Machado has received from the San Diego Padres. Uh, as they are finalizing an 11-year, $350 million contract extension. Uh, sources familiar with the deal tell ESPN that Machado helped turn around the franchise. He'll stay as the Padres seek to uh, get their first championship. Spoiler alert, they won't because the Dodgers play in their division. Sorry. And until baseball figures out a cap, nobody's going to be good except the rich. Although the pitch clock seems to be quite interesting, which I am all in for that one. We'll get into that a little bit later, too, because um, I don't know. If you're uh, if you're someone who has to produce Royals games, you love a pitch clock. If you're Josh Vernier, you love a pitch clock. If you're Manny Machado, you probably hate a pitch clock. Um, I believe he was the first one to get a uh, delayed delayed call strike, which, uh, again, we'll talk about that a little bit later because it is kind of interesting um, how things can work and how some people have had their theories. Um, good day for college basketball yesterday. I told everybody Friday night, Grant, I said the, the parlay you want to hit is all local teams' money line. Somebody had checked it out. It was plus 329 on FanDuel as of uh, Friday night. A few people did uh, take the advice of the dust man and, and cashed. I took the spread of every game. And uh, KU was the one that let me down. So thanks, Bill. We'll get into the local college here in a little bit later uh, here on After Hours. But where I want to take this little segment and... What I'd like to say about this is that I do think that the repeat for the Chiefs isn't as maybe as much as a far stretch as you might think it is. In fact, the Chiefs have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls very recently. It wasn't really the way that maybe you expected it to turn out. Right, There was a blowout to Tampa because your offensive line was just completely derailed and Patrick Mahomes running for his life. 
but I do feel that this team is set up for a repeat. Obviously, I think a championship is always on the table if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and is healthy. And if he gets hurt at some point in the season, you're definitely going to win the Super Bowl. Knee in his side of a leg, Super Bowl championship, high ankle sprain, Super Bowl championship. Um, but this team knows what it takes to get two back-to-back Super Bowls. The only thing this team is not familiar with is getting the job done in back-to-back years. Now, there's a lot of people that would say that this team is already considered a dynasty. I would be one of those people. But there's other people that say, well, technically, you need three. You need three trophies to be considered a legit dynasty. I do think that this team is built to go on a run kind of like that. Now, I know that the Patriots had their two different decades where they were just every other year or every year they were in the Super Bowl and, you know, they they won their back-to-backs and they did their thing and Denver won back-to-back in 97-98. But this roster's built to be here for the next three years at least. And some guys next year will be even better than they were this year, which makes you think, well, if they won the Super Bowl this year with rookies, only thing I can think of is that this team will ultimately get better. Your seventh-round rookie running back, Isaiah Pacheco, I think we can all agree once he was kind of told, hey, it's your gig, it's, it's your thing, no more Clyde to worry about, McKinnon knows his role, you're our guy, Pacheco's game got better. It got more... Uh, trustworthy within himself. The fumbles kind of disappeared a little bit more towards the end of the season. And then in the Super Bowl and in the AFC Championship game, he was exactly what you've always needed to have in a Mahomes-driven offense. Somebody that can suck the clock dry of any sort of juice that's left there in in that clock for the end of the game. You don't need Mahomes to throw it every single play. You think about guys like Sky Moore. You remember how bad the season started for him and then how much better it got towards the end. Rookie. At least three to four more years of contract control with the team, with both guys. I understand there's questions about Orlando Brown. Very key, important position. Top three in football currently. Maybe top five. And you look at who's your quarterback, still under the age of 30. I think you also have at least one, maybe two more years of the dominating duo in Kelsey and Mahomes. I don't know how much more juice is in that to be squeezed out of it, but I think you've got at least one more year. Kelsey will be 33, 34 very shortly. Patrick Mahomes, obviously on the younger side of things, 27, 28. But I think you can get one more year out of it, which would be nice to see that again next year. Maybe it's not 1,312 touchdowns and 106 grabs. Maybe it's, you know, 95, 11, 1180, and eight touchdowns. That's still dominating as a duo. That's still pretty damn clutch for a tight end in this league. And that also gives you a little bit of belief that they can kind of get back in the reign of things and really kind of move forward towards winning back-to-back championships. Because really, 
if you think about it, that's really one of the last steps that they'd have to have to really prove dominance for what kind of team they've been. Right? Like, you look at, like, kind of what Granite said is, like, before, it was like, oh, Mahomes won a ring, and then everybody was trying to debunk everything that he did that was so good, but he's only won one. Then he wins a second. And then now people say, well, he'll never catch Brady. It's like, well, that's fine. But now he's a top five quarterback of all time. Some would agree. Some would consider that a fanboy take. Either way you want to look at it, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Some people would say he's top three, that he's past Peyton Manning because of the dominance that he's had, because of the success rate that he's having in the NFL at such a young age. And then you put all that together as you talk about what you can do to get back to winning a repeat, and we don't even mention the defense. I know Chris Jones has got a pretty big deal on his table. Does he hold out? Does he continue with the 26, you know, the 26 million that he'll play with next year and then go test free agency, work on a contract extension where you can kind of fluctuate how he gets paid? And then you've got one more control year of Legere Sneed. And then you figure that out. But then again, you trust your GM when it comes to the draft and where they go. And this team's defense, which is also led by a lot of rookies, a lot of two, three-year guys, is signed up for at least another two years for this to be kind of a run. So, yes, I think this team is familiar with repeats. I think this team could repeat. You look at the schedule, you look at the teams, who sticks out, what teams are going to survive their first wave of having to cut, trade, make room for their cap space to be cleared. Chiefs have got to do that, too. But some of the most important positions for the Chiefs are already locked up, and that's what you need when you put together a thing for what they call a repeat. Now, again, it didn't work well the last time they tried it, but again, not unfamiliar with how to do or what to do to get to that level again in back-to-back seasons to get to the Super Bowl. Chiefs have done it already. They just didn't get it completed. Who says no? Could you imagine, though, first six years as a starter, four Super Bowls, three titles? That'd be nuts. You might get Jay-Z talking like Lil Boosie about Patrick Mahomes. Coming up on the other side, who's better for what team or are either one of them good at all for the team? We talk Vegas and we talk two free agent quarterbacks that might impact the AFC West or at least try to on the other side here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. you watch any of that Celtics 76ers game yesterday? Uh, I actually didn't. I didn't catch a single dribble. It was wild. It was a buzzer beater, right? Or something close to it? Like Tatum hit a three. It was like a minute. It was like 1.5 seconds left. And then Philadelphia threw it in. And uh, Joel Embiid got it. And he was about a half second late. But he threw it three-fourths of the way of the court and just absolutely swished it. But it was just like... 0.3 0.3 seconds too late. And he knew it too. The whole crowd, like, free. I freaked out because I was just watching it. Did a, did a little shrimp and chicken fried rice on the Blackstone last night. Delicious. Put it on Twitter. A little teriyaki glaze to do the old finish. It was nice. From the 913, Dusty, thank you for the local parlay yesterday. I won. Brad from Gardner. There you go. Go buy you something nice with it. Or... You know, 
keep the DraftKings account going. Doing the first ever uh, Premier League parlay today. Marcus Rashford and Man Utah. I need Marcus Rashford to score. I need Man U to win. I don't care if it's 2 0. Look at me. Talking soccer. Going across the pond. Yep. I need to get back into FIFA because that game was, I mean, you could just kill some time with that thing. Um, so I think this is interesting as we approach the, I guess the free agent clock is ticking. The free agency window will, you know, shortly start to clear itself out. Um, and I wonder what's a better get for the Raiders. Because I do think the Raiders are going to be somewhat active. Now, it's interesting how they can be active because their money is extremely tight. Uh, as in, they don't really have a whole lot of spending, but yet they're linked to two very big free agent players. And those names are Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. One of them is going to be the domino that gets them all to fall. I don't really know what to think about what the New York Jets are talking about when it comes to we think Derek Carr can, you know, be the guy. I think that kind of shows that Derek Carr is a locker room presence more than people want to give him credit for. Um, I think he had it in Vegas. I think Josh McDaniels made it a, a way to where he lost it. I don't think he was a Derek Carr guy. Um, but when they fired Gruden, it was kind of evidently clear that that was Derek Carr's locker room and, and, and guys, you know, responded to Derek Carr. But his time there was done. Jets, I think, want a guy that can, can lead a young team that's offensively stable enough to run an offense and also hoping that a new face in a new place clicks as well. But that's where the Jets have been kind of leaning towards was, well, why not Derek Carr? Not egotistically driven, very humble guy, family, team, first type of guy. Can really keep that ship afloat. And then Robert Sala can worry about the defense with Sauce Gardner heading that. And you got Brees Hall and Wilson on the offensive side that can really kind of keep that offense steady. But when you look at Aaron Rodgers and you speak about him first, is he or Lamar Jackson or are neither one of them the fit for the Raiders? The AFC West, from what we know, is owned and controlled by the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no topic really behind that other than that sole fact. Seven consecutive years, nobody's really made a real big dip in trying to change that. We'll see with the Chargers, but again, the Chargers are about to hit their second wave, right? Herbert's going to have to get paid. Keenan Allen is getting older. Austin Eckler's getting older. They just signed Williams to the big contract, so they've got him locked up, but again, you're going to have to pay Herbert soon, and you're going to have to figure out what's next after Keenan Allen. And Austin Eckler is going to slowly but surely not be the same type of bell cow running back for them as he's been the last few years. He's probably got one, maybe two years left of, of being that guy. But we know the NFL. We know the life expectancy of running backs. It's no more than four years. 
But if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Raiders, which makes the most sense in my opinion, Vegas for one screams a place that Aaron Rodgers can thrive in. Um, Devontae Adams is there. The offense is built. Obviously, Josh Jacobs probably not going to be a part of the Raiders. If you don't have a ton of money, you're probably not going to give a running back who's going to demand a lot of money, which running backs get paid, but not normally by the team that currently has them. Somebody will pay Josh Jacobs a lot of money, and it won't be the Las Vegas Raiders. Aaron Rodgers in Vegas with Devontae Adams also makes sense. And if you give this guy a brand-new stadium, a lot of control, and he seems like a personality that will be bigger and make things more about him than Josh McDaniels can possibly do. Coaching still is the issue in Vegas, so quarterback play may not really matter. Lamar Jackson makes a little less sense in Vegas because the whole free agency, his agent, and what Baltimore plans on doing once they tag him. I do believe they will. I think they will tag and then trade. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson are playing for the teams that they currently played for last season at the start of next season. I will say that. I just don't know where they go. I think Lamar Jackson wants to go somewhere that's going to pay him that's also built to be good. Atlanta does make sense, which would be fine with me. Let's start getting some of these quarterbacks out of the AFC and moving them into the NFC. But Miami could make sense for Lamar Jackson as well. I think Miami has a lot of weapons. I think Lamar would like South Beach. You put Lamar in there with Waddle and Tyreek and Gusecki and guys like that, That's that makes that team that much better. But then again, you have to say something about Tua. But if neither guy goes to Vegas, what's next for the Raiders? Do they draft, develop, and let Josh McDaniels try to develop a quarterback again? Didn't work with Tebow. Could have told you that. But the thing that's interesting about Vegas is not a lot of money to sign a guy. If they don't go get an experienced quarterback, you're potentially losing a lot of talent on your roster when it comes to offensive weapons and time in the league. Devontae Adams, again, time is undefeated. Devontae Adams is not going to be the dominant receiver he's going to be in three years. Darren Waller, couldn't tell you. Injuries have happened the last couple of seasons, which have kind of limited his productivity. You're losing your running back. Hunter Renfro looks old, really young. Drafting a C.J. Stroud, a Levis, somebody like that, or an Anthony Richardson if you can get up to get him. Or Bryce Young. There are quarterback options. What does Vegas do? Can they lure in a top, top dog? When it comes to Rodgers, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, I don't know. I think both those guys would play there because of what Vegas is and what it can be. But also both those guys are going to want to get paid and are going to get paid. So I could also see neither going there, which then would increase the odds for the Chiefs. Denver is going to not be good because of who their quarterback is. And the Chargers, again, a wait-and-see year. See if they survive the second wave. Something that's been kind of interesting the last couple of days watching the spring training season begin in baseball is the new pitch clock. 
That's not the only thing that's changed, but it's been the most interesting thus far. There's some audio that made something really, really bizarre yesterday. We'll get to that next on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. I've never seen it. Yeah. From what I've heard, it kind of sucks. Well, it's kind of tarnished because I've heard that the actual Rudy is kind of a Richard. Which kind of ruins it. Because then you're like, screw this guy. <laughs> well, he's also made his whole life just trying to make money being Rudy, right? Yeah. He doesn't like have a real job. He's just Rudy, man. All right, 10.30, Man United, baby, and Marcus Rashford. I just hope he scores, like, within the first, like, five minutes of the game, and the game ends 1-0, Man U. Red Devils, baby, rise up. Wayne Rooney, man. Now, that's a guy I can get behind. I remember a story about Wayne Rooney when uh, he was a young lad in England. Uh, I think it was an Everton game. I think that's who he came up with, right? I'm not sure. I think he went Everton, Man U, and then went back. Yeah. And uh, they usually in the Premier League will have, like, you know how sometimes kids will say play ball or they'll throw out the first pitch. They'll have, like, little kids come out and they'll do, like, a little kick to the goalie. And Wayne Rooney did the, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's, like, really hard to pull off. But it also shows that you're like showing up the goalie. And he did it. Where he like chips it over his head. Like fakes like he's gonna go to the corner and then chips it over the like goalie. Like a Panenka? Yeah. He pulled that off as like a five year old kid. In front of like the entire crowd. And the goalie's like, You're kind of a jerk. And then Wayne Rooney kind of just filled that role as he was just perfect for Man U for so many years. Just a bulldog. Um, so this happened yesterday. It's Boston and Atlanta at 6-6, bottom of the nine in spring training. Could have run them up easily. Uh-oh. And now what? He's out. They have called strike three. Wow! This is mayhem! Oh! Automatic strike three called with the bases loaded in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. This is baseball in 2023. Joe Kostig said, can you believe it? Here it is. He didn't have this in mind. You see it? It's at eight seconds. He has to be alert to the pitcher. Two feet in the box, head looking at the pitcher. Didn't do it. Bases loaded. Tie game. 3-2 count. Strike three. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's spring training, right? And the pitch clock is one of many new rule changes in the game of baseball. I think baseball is still many, many, many rules away and changes until it officially is going to fix itself. 
but this is one of those situations in which I don't think we'll see it happen very often, but the, the pitch clock is interesting because you have eight seconds to get in the box, face the pitcher, and look at him. And as we saw in the first game of the year in the spring training world, Manny Machado took too long, umpire, didn't mess around, delay a game, one strike. So you can essentially see there's going to be players that are just going to protest this and probably just take three strikes and get called out, and that's how baseball can be. Sometimes they can be saucy. And this is a little egregious. And this situation that you just heard the audio of in the Braves and Red Sox game is it was 6-6, bases loaded, 3-2 count, bottom of the ninth. We're going to extra innings, and we got a man on second which that rule is also etched in stone for the rest of time, at least for now in baseball, that there will be a man on second extra innings also makes the game faster. And if you're wondering about length of games, when the Royals and the Texas Rangers played on Friday for their first spring training game, that game was two hours and 33 minutes. That game was also five to five going into the ninth inning. And it was still... Two hours and 33 minutes. That's a full hour shorter than a normal baseball game. I can tell you this because I have produced many, many Royals games in this state at this station. 7-10 start. Denny Matthews is going to say the final score at about 10-35. And when you look at what this does for baseball it kind of makes the strategy a little more impromptu. You can't stand outside the box, look at where the shift is because, oh, by the way, shifts are gone as well. Base hits that were no longer base hits for the entire time because of shifts will now be base hits, which you would think would lead to more men on base, which you think would then lead to more runs, which then makes baseball a little bit more interesting. And, oh, by the way, you think more runs, longer game. Maybe not because you got eight seconds to get into the box, look at the pitcher, and start your you know routine to swing. You're also not going to let pitchers, or pitchers are not going to be able to sit there and ponder and labor, or they're going to get taxed. The bigger base thing, I'm not really sure. I guess that prevents injuries. It makes those guys that are very fast. Like, I think Bobby Witt Jr. right now to lead baseball in stolen bases is plus 1,300. Give him a little bit bigger of a base. Gives him a little bit more of a step. Might be worth entertaining. But the pitch clock is the most interesting rule change, at least, that I can think of moving forward with baseball. And just as you're talking about this, I just seen a tweet from Mike Monaco, mm-hmm. who's the ESPN play-by-play guy. Yeah, there were, I believe, 16 games. I counted a couple times um, on Saturday for spring training. The MLB average game length last season was three hours seven minutes. Mm-hmm. The longest game on Saturday went three hours six minutes, and every single one went lower than that. So there's still going to be longer games. I think baseball will be pretty normal still. Yeah, but cutting down the Average length of time by 20, 30 minutes, I think, is going to it's gonna be important. Yeah, because what, about every three innings is an hour? 
in traditional yeah. baseball. At about, least that's what it was. Yeah, last year. Now you're looking at three innings are going to take 40 45 minutes, minutes, 45 yeah. minutes. You're knocking off a full, you're knocking off an, an entire hour of baseball game. You know what I mean? Like now you don't have to worry. About, like And, and Beakley was on the show Friday night. Uh, as he always is at 6.30 on after hours on Fridays. But he was saying that people that go to the game don't really complain about length of the game. I think that's fair. But you also go to the game, you get in your car, and you're like, wow, it's already 10.30 on a Friday night. Like, goodbye. Whereas, like, now you can go to a Royals game on a Friday night, and you can leave by 9.30, and that's after seeing the fireworks show. I think diehard Royals fans yeah. and diehard sports fans, you and I probably go to a game and we expect to be there for the full time. Sure. We're like, yeah, this will be four hours. Like, right. I'm just expecting to use that whole time. But there's a lot of, like, casual fans, like, friends that should be like, hey, let's go to a ball game on Friday. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not always in for a full three hours. No. Like, the, the timeline, I think, does kind of push some folks, casual fans, yeah. away more than probably a guy like, Banking uh, us think. Yeah, and the other thing too about it is that get, you know back in the day, if you went to a Royals game, and you got there like at seven what seven thirty, you missed the top of the inning. You might miss a full inning to an inning and a half if you get there by you know twenty twenty five minutes after first pitch. So, I'm not against it. I think it's interesting, and I'm kind of interested to see like where the leeway goes, where the where the slack starts to fall when it comes to baseball and it's pitch clock because you know you know there's going to be some umpires that are just going to have it out for people there's also going to be some umpires that you know and that's the big key too you know I think that the two biggest things that that the MLB could really do is cut the season down and get more accurate when it comes to calling balls and strikes whether that's umpires that are robots I don't know whether that's using more technology to support these umpires sure but the other thing that it all balances down to is like how they're going to enforce this. Is everybody on the same page? Like, is every is everybody where this guy was yesterday in a tie game, three two count, willing to say, "Hey, man, I don't care if it's six six bottom nine zero zero top one. I'm calling time delay and taxing a strike to you if you don't do this." Because six six bottom nine three two count calling a, th- a call third strike for a pitch that didn't exist. That's wild. And the craziest tweet that I saw was, like, imagine somebody getting, like, a milestone strikeout on a, like, you get your 3,000 strikeout call on somebody that just didn't get in the box on time. Hey, he struck out. Because this is also one of the things that baseball doesn't want to tarnish is that it's, it's legacy, it's, it's rich tradition, but yet it's rich tradition is broken, and yet the pitch clock is one of those things that is breaking its rich tradition. Now it's time to just take it from 162 and play 100 games. I'm interested to see how long the strictness for this pitch clock lasts. I feel like early in the season they may call it pretty pretty hard and fast, but then by the end of the year we're looking at more like uh, oh yeah, the snap clock in football. We're like, yeah, it's a zero, but he snapped it pretty quick. And so they don't call delay yeah. a game or anything. Somebody says, Dustman, it's El Camino. The pitch clock in the ninth is kind of a is kind of whack if you think about it. I get it for the first eight, but having games come down to a eight second in the ninth would be so disappointing if you were if you were there with your kid, bases loaded. I mean, that would be the lamest way to end a game. Kids crying, now you gotta do the, you know, all that. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's tied, you get extra innings though. 
And again, I don't know how many times this situation will present itself when it comes to that, but it is kind of interesting to think um, about a pitch lock. I'm also interested to think about what you guys think about the Kansas City Royals because Kansas City Royals are really, really soon about to play. In fact, you can hear their spring training game tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on 610 Sports Radio. But I want to know why there's a lack of buzz. I think I can explain it a little bit better than why I tried to explain it on Friday night because I think there are little things that are causing you to kind of doubt yourself to get excited for this Royal season here on After Hours. Grant Nicholson, Dusty Likens with you all on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.